What's going on, guys? My name is David Gibbs. I am the host and founder of this podcast, SIDcast, a podcasting resource dedicated to telling stories and sharing the experiences of the sports information and athletic communications profession. Uh, starting to come out of the summer now, so hopefully you guys are starting to transition back to going to work. I know that we hit July 1 almost a month ago, so happy new 2018-2019 athletic year. And I uh, can't wait to see what you all are doing. But uh, I know a lot of people have talked about this one, uh, even after, because I tweeted out quite some time ago before Cosida, um, if we're paired up as a mentor-mentee, I promise a, an episode you know, as soon as possible. So this is Jason and I's as soon as possible, four weeks-ish after convention. So I know some people were like, this one as well be the David and Jason show. Uh, get over it. Jason's my mentor, and he's fun, and I think we have a lot of fun stuff, because there are some people that you can have on X number of times, and it's still going to be different every single time, and Jason's one of those guys. Uh, I had him on episode 20 and episode 25. I originally had him on, um, I said, I think I was like, is an hour okay to, to record, you know, like I usually tell my guests, and he goes, no, I got about 30 minutes. So uh, I told him, you know, we'll do these 30 minutes, come back, and uh, we'll have another episode. And that was five weeks later with 25. And then he offered to be the host, episode 35, uh, last year for my birthday. So that you guys could get to know me a little bit more. Uh, that was, so it was nice of him. And now we've had literally 50 episodes in between that. So fifty. it's been 50 weeks since you've heard from Jason. Uh, we'll talk about mentorship. We'll talk about his new job with the Florida Sports Foundation. We'll talk about Tallahassee. I uh, got some really fun questions at the end because, um, and they're not our traditional questions. Our traditional questions are usually like the, um, uh, let's see, like favorite memory, uh, biggest horror story, piece of advice you'd give. But this time we've got these them a little bit different uh, off the top of my head. You guys can play along and tweet at us at Sports Infocast on Twitter and follow us on Facebook. Um, a couple of the questions being, uh, who would be this year's NCAA football video game cover athlete? Uh, guilty pleasure. Uh, and Jason's got a good one for that. Uh, and then like our, our race and maybe even, uh, or like, like our dream race is what I mean by that. And then, um, something like, uh, what's one TV show you watch as a kid that you would have no shame in binge watching now? Uh, that one was a lot of fun that I that I threw that question around to a couple people in my circle, and um, they really seemed to enjoy that one. So uh, before we get into it, rating and reviewing is very important. I appreciate all 21 of you who have given us a five-star rating, and I think it was like 11 of you have left a review. Uh, I enjoy those very much. They make me smile. Some guy made me laugh. I can't think of what the comment was off the top of my head, but I enjoyed that a whole lot. Um, and like I said, follow us on Twitter and Facebook at Sports Infocast on both of those. You can also sign up for our newsletter. I don't know if you guys even remember us having that. I started that back in November. And you can sign up for that. It's like a Google form um, on sidcast.fireside.fm. That's our website. And then slash newsletter. And you can do that there. You can also find any episode that we have at sidcast.fireside.fm slash whatever number you're looking for. If you wanted to go random in between 1 and 85, that would be how you do it, um, with the exception of number 13 because it exceeds my upload limit because it's 101 megabytes. And I'm sorry, Ira.
I'll have you on again soon, I promise. Um, but yeah, so this is how we're going to start off today, a little bit different for episode number 85 of SID Cast with Jason Hendricks of the Florida Sports Foundation and why he thinks this show is important right here on SID Cast. Well, I don't know if it really benefits anyone to have me on four times per se. Uh, but as a whole, man, this this podcast in itself opens up so many doors of opportunity for people in our industry to talk about not just necessarily what they do day in and day out, but it gives others, not just in the SID field, but also in marketing, administration, sports communication as a whole, ticketing, whoever, um, the opportunity to get to know everybody outside of, oh, that's the guy who does this, that's the girl who does that within the world of communications. It makes us human again. Mm-hmm. Uh, it allows people to kind of connect with you on a different level outside of just being an SID or a communicator. Um, to kind of, I guess what's great about having quote me back again is uh, recently – at our most recent Cosida convention, uh, the guy named David Gibson, who hosts you know this this podcast, I think you might know him, That's right. uh, was named my mentee by the Cosida staff, and I'm going to get to serve as his mentor this year, even though unofficially I've kind of been yeah, we've been for yeah. quite a while now, <laughs> but I guess Cosida made it official for us. Yeah. Uh, so that's a good, that's a great thing. It's getting to check in and see what he's doing with his life and where he's progressing this podcast and not just the, the podcast itself, but our industry as a whole. I mean, I had the opportunity for the past two summers to sit back and, and watch you present, um, what podcasting is and how it can affect our industry and watch everybody each year after you present, go back home and all of a sudden the number of podcasts and immediately increase. Um, so it's good to see what you've done with this, and it's 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 a privilege to be back again for a, a record-setting fourth time. That's right. I don't think anybody's really come close to four. I think we have two. Kelvin Coley's has been on twice, I believe. So, um, But, yeah, it, it's been fantastic. Um, I'll ask you some questions about Coincider here in a sec, but just because you mentioned that, the number of podcasts gone up, I tweeted out a little bit ago, a couple of days ago, how I've helped uh, – four different schools since Cosida who have emailed me and given me a call or DM me um, with starting their own podcast at the division, three of them at the division, actually two of them at division one level and then two of them at the division three level. So uh, yeah, it's, a, it's been a lot of fun, but how was your life? What number Cosida was that for you in DC? Uh, seven or eight maybe. Okay. Uh, so how was it for you? It was different this time around. Um, the first couple of years you get in, it's all about meeting people. It's all about network, 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 getting a new job, you know, meet the people who can hopefully get you to your next job down the road. Um, then two, three years ago, it was more of a, hey, I'm now in an administrative role. Let me see how other administrators um, connect with each other and, and build relationships, not just with fellow schools and other SIDs, but um, outside entities such as getting their message told when newspapers aren't printing it or if a website is your voice, you know, using it to its biggest of potential and then watching things like podcasting or, or, or video broadcasting for live games. People have moved from in-house productions that are minimal, like one camera shoot, no audio to full fledged on productions. Now watching them do that, and helping schools be a part of that where I've worked at in the past. Um, 
the biggest point I, I think I got out of this time around, though, is uh, in my new role here, I just transitioned out of the collegiate uh, side of thing, as I guess you could do, that's what's really what you want to do, even though I'm still working directly with colleges on a daily basis. Right. I've transitioned into a new role where I am pretty much the SID for the state of Florida when it comes to athletics. It's, it's one thing uh, to be an SID of a school or a, a sports team, but having the entire state's sports marketing, sports tourism, sports management all on your plate is a different ball game. Um, and that's kind of what I do now at Florida Sports Foundation. And, and the best part about that was at this year's convention, I had the opportunity to sit down and, and talk with SIDs from the state of Florida and step out of my chair as an SID for a certain school and now open those relationships where I care for all of the schools, not just the ones that were in conference with me at previous institutions where I worked out here in Florida and the South Georgia region. Um, but to have that door open up and, and sit down and say, what do you guys feel, feel is the most important things to you? You know, what are, what are those key moments or what are those key uh, opportunities that your school finds that they need our support, our, uh, they need some publication on? Um, are you guys doing events? Like a great example is the University of South Florida will be the host institution for the 2019 Women's Final Four. Um, that's really big for the city of Tampa. It's huge for the University of South Florida, and that's something that we're going to partner with them as, as well as the Tampa Bay Sports Commission, which is their local sports commissions, um, and work with them through that process. So the entire Cosida experience for me this time around was more of a, a top-up versus a bottom-top uh, point of view where I would sit down, meet with people, learn their stories, and help them with their stories versus me going there to be somebody who's personally learning and enhancing my job on a daily basis. It was a great flip of the coin this year to kind of experience that. Um, pick and choose. I was very strategic in what um, avenues of choices that I did for forums, for topics, for discussions, for roundtables. Went to some of the NACMA stuff, went to a couple of the NACTA meetings, um, and actually talked with a bunch of ticket people too as well, even though it's not what I do on a daily basis, just because of that interaction. Um, we have what's called the state games at the state level, and you have to be your marketing, your ticketing, your registration, your communications, all of those things in one bubble. So it was great to have those conversations. Fantastic. Well, well I'll ask you some questions about your new job here in just a moment, but um, you mentioned some of the forums. Uh, what were some of maybe your favorite or maybe some that you maybe uh, uh, really stuck out to you? Um. One of the biggest ones that caught my eye, um, the biggest, there was maybe two or three of them actually. I'll get some shout outs all around the board. How about that? Um, one of them, but she's always awesome, uh, Katie Mucci, who was previously at the, S the SCAC, uh, which was a Division three conference based out of the Atlanta area, technically Lawrenceville, Georgia, right around the corner where I used to work at at Georgia Gwinnett. Um, but she is now at the Missouri Valley Conference. She presented on apps and how to make your life simpler using apps and not always having to be around a computer to do your job and do it successfully. Um, that forum in itself, I think, for me, it wasn't, oh, I am or am not doing these things. It was great to be able to sit in that room, listen to what Katie talked about, and know that, hey, I'm doing these things already. Awesome. Now, 
Let's go empower the next generation behind me who doesn't know how to use these and do what she did pretty much. Um, that to me was a really powerful meeting, people asking questions, interacting, and, and seeing that topic. Um, the second one, which really hit home for me, um, Sean Medeiros, who is out of Indicate, who is actually one of your previous um, viewers, or not viewers, one of your previous people on you had on the show, uh, guest, let's say, let's say yeah. that, uh, partnered with Dana Lewin. Um, she's from Ohio State University. She's the digital visual specialist there. And she's in charge of a lot of their social media accounts. One of them in particular, she asked us not to mention, so I'm not going to, but it's really famous. Um, and she interacts with it on a daily basis, and she gets to have multiple hats and personalities. And just being able to sit in that room and listen to what they did, went through the process of channeling it, and realizing that my school at the time wasn't the only school that was going through some of these things, and that the, the job I currently work at right now is not the only place that's going through some of these changes in social media, whether it's how you voice things, how you don't voice things, times of happiness, times of sadness, times of winning, times of losing, times of joy. I mean, how you go about telling all those stories but never going silent. Um, and so that was, that was a big one for me. And then one of the sessions wasn't even a session. Uh, if you want to call it a session, it's where a bunch of our friends got together and just spent some time with each other. Mm -hmm. uh, a group of guys, you were actually one of them, uh, that last night that we were in D.C. all got on the charter buses and went down to the National Mall and spent time with each other in a way that I don't think anyone else in our industry during that convention, got to spend time with one another. Uh -huh. um, uh, throwing a couple of names out there, Tommy Chasnoff, Danny Day was there. Um, the biggest, that was one of the biggest, funniest, awesome moments is Travis Travis Ray was with us, Bo Kid. Uh, we went to all these food trucks that were outside the National Mall. And then, uh, like tour guide Barbie, I took the entire group on a tour of D.C. Again, yeah, because <laughs> you took us there again. <laughs> and, uh, I took f pretty much four or five different groups on tours of D.C. this past week just because my brother lives in the area, and with my current position, I have the opportunity to be in D.C., and then Georgetown was also in the Big East, so I had a, an appreciation of Washington, D.C. and where everything's located. So pretty much got to do a tour guide Barbie type of thing, but along the way, I got to hear stories about the interactions of some of the cool things that the guys got to do year round and um, some of the struggles that they got to deal with and how they overcame them and um, pieces of advice. I got to feel like a grandpa talking to a son or a dad talking or a grandpa talking to a grandson or a dad talking to a son about some of those things for people who had just entered the industry, people who had, had been for the industry for five or six years and then those like myself, who have been around for about 10 years. And it was just a phenomenal conversation uh, that wasn't even serious. Um, that was probably my favorite, quote, session. If you could really put a session down on it, it was spending that, that night of those 11 guys, all of us, all 11 of us, walking around, seeing different things around the nation's capital, people getting to connect with their family members who were either veterans of those uh, memorials or just had ideas and visions and talking about their next steps in their career and seeing how they would do it and then them sitting back and picking your brain a little bit. So that to me was probably the best session of the all, just the opportunity to sit back and not have to have a written agenda. And it was just there. It was 
a natural. What was the uh, best or most expensive food that you had there? <laughs> um, out of pocket, the most expensive meal that I had was $52. Um, and because of the $52 meal, it it was the probably the biggest meal I've ever eaten in my life. Yeah. <laughs> the We went to a, I think it was called Rosalita's or Rosalita's, yeah. the Mexican joint. Uh, that was down on the corner up by the, the pier, and I got the most, <laughs> the biggest plate of nachos that was like 28 bucks. But then after that, I was like, you know what, I'm still hungry, so I got an enchilada, and then we were still there after an hour and a half. Uh-huh. So I was like, oh, you know, I'll get something else. And then my my pill came, and I was like, holy cow, $52. But honestly, the best food, that I had was the one that I got made fun of, uh, but I got called fatty or fatty status. People uh-huh. looking at me because I'm a skinny runner guy, and they they asked me how in the world could I put it down. But when we got to those food trucks, I had two Philly cheese steaks and a basket of fries, and it was probably the best food that I've ever had in the, in the city of D.C. Not overall because I've had some good food trucks before, but it was up there with them. Yeah, awesome. We. Um... Me, uh, I, I think one of the best that I had was when you, me, and Sean went to that pizza place. And I can't for the life of me remember what that was called. That was really, yeah, I, that was really good pizza. But then, um, most expensive thing I had was probably uh, me, Tyson, and Sterling went to the 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 brewery, right, the Granite City Brewery, and um, sixteen dollar nacho or not nachos, but mac and cheese. I was like. I looked at the guy and I was like, "This better be the best mac and cheese that I've ever had," and uh, it it was not. It was like noodles with cheddar cheese sprinkled over it. It was like some fancy man's not or uh, mac and cheese, and it's just I'm just a craft mac and cheese kind of guy. Like you can't just no. rob me of that. Yeah, like Velveeta whole grain with bacon. That's what yeah. it's at. But the Granite City Brewery did have really good beer, actually. Um, Sampled a couple of stuff, so that was a lot of fun. But um, you and I were matched up, as you mentioned, in the COSIDA mentorship uh, program. What made you want to do it? What were you hoping to get out of it? Uh, you answer that, and then I'll answer. Um, I have actually been a part of this program going on three years now. Um, the first year, respectfully said the institution that I worked for, I did not believe I was receiving mentorship by somebody who literally was in the thick of things with me in the grunt work or, or in our field of what we do. Uh I had mentors who, um, an administration who had done athletics in college, obviously because they're at where they're at. But they hadn't been in the SID world or marketing world in the, the the capacity I had been in, and I needed somebody I felt like I could relate to on on a daily basis or to, to bounce ideas off of or learn the tricks of the trade from somebody who was in the business. Like right now, I've got some of the best mentors, I think, hands down in the business. Uh, Rob Cheney, he's the uh, athletic director at Tallahassee Community College. I've known him for several years. He's been a great mentor of mine, a guy by the name of Nick Gandy, um, who works, who's the gentleman I replaced here at the Florida Sports Foundation. Uh, Angela Suggs, who's the president and CEO here at the Sports Foundation, is a good mentor of mine. 
Um, I also look at Tim Lutz, who is at um, uh, Auburn Montgomery AUM. Kind of gets somebody think it's always Auburn when you say that, but it's the one in Montgomery. The Division mm-hmm. II school used to be an NAIA. And then uh, one of my biggest mentors uh, who was part of this program was J.D. Campbell. And what got me to want to do it is when I was mentored the first time around, my, men, my mentor and I never really bonded, connected, not because we didn't have things in common, but because he was a senior administrator at an institution that was going through some stuff at the time. And because of it, his attention was always there. So the second time around, I got J.D. Campbell, who was at Indiana University, who is just probably the coolest thing since sliced bread. Um, anybody who's worked with him at Indiana will tell you he has done phenomenal work. He oversees men's basketball there and does just a great job. Uh, Jeremy Rosenthal works there with him. And Lena Phillips works there. She's a phenomenal graphic designer. Um, it's just a great community to be around. And he has taught me through the years that there's always the opportunity not just to be a mentor to the next generation, but those of you who's around you 24-7. And that's kind of what I'm wanting to do with the rest of my life is to be an active mentor, not just in this profession. But um, I used to be a Boy Scout, and so now I volunteer back in a couple of days a month over at Boy Scouts. And um, I volunteer with my church group and do leadership opportunities with mentorships. And the next big thing on my plate, besides this COSIDA program, is I'm looking to potentially partner with a couple of people here in the Tallahassee area to launch a mentorship program for youth um, who are interested in doing not necessarily what we do for a living, Uh but somebody who can help them mentor from the time they're in high school until they get that first job. Um, Unfortunately, I did not have that mentorship when I was going through my high school slash early years of college. And then when I met the man of Al Weston, who's the ultimate shout out for me in this podcast, um, Al is currently the assistant athletic director and he does the communications at Georgia College of State University, a division two school in Milledgeville, Georgia, um, which is where I ran cross country and track and went to my undergrad at. And Al, literally, I watched what he did. I watched the cool stuff he got to do, the fact that he still had his family, his wife, his two kids. I've watched his kids grow up over the years and him still be involved as a father and his kids come alongside. And his wife actually also works at the institution as well. Just that family unit and seeing what he did early on influenced me to do what I do now. So when I got to college, I had another mentor such as Tina DeShazze and um, she was in the ropes for a little while at Florida State. She went to FAU, Indiana State, Texas Tech. Um, Now she's at Illinois back in her home state with her husband, Marlon, who works in academics. So that line of mentorship is something that I wanted to continue into the program this year. And it's not just with you though. Like, uh, Mm -hmm. I mean, Danny day and I consider each other as mentors and mentees to each other. Um, I I look at Sterling Randall, who's somebody that I have cultivated and helped mentor to as well. And I got a buddy of mine named Justin Glover, who while we're the same age and at the same point of life, uh, there's certain areas of the career where he's looks to me for advice. And I look to him for other areas and, Kevin Qualese is somebody that I keep in my, what I call my inner circle. Um, The inner circle is tough to be in sometimes, and that's not said to make it sound exclusive or arrogant in any way, but the inner circle is what you need in your life. You have to find those people who you can look at that are in your profession and outside of your profession to allow that mentorship opportunity. Um, I'm going to quote somebody now. There's a gentleman by the name of Kenneth Ziggy Siegfried. He goes by Ziggy. 
Okay. Um, he is the athletic director at Cal State University at Bakersfield. Um, he was previously at Memphis, and he and I have shared a lot of private, out-of-the-industry connections with our wives and um, fertility and other things that we had to go through in our career path of I lost a brother and whatnot. And when I say brother, I literally don't mean my, my brother Ken, but I've lost people who I considered my brothers. Um, at a certain point in time in my life, I had a teammate who passed away and I had a best friend of mine get killed in a car wreck and I lost my grandfather within a three-week span. And some of the words that he has come forward in life and one I'm about to quote in a second have been so impactful. And he's never been my one-on-one mentor, but because of our interactions and our conversations that we've had, one thing that has stood out is he's always said this. He's always said the inner circle can be shallow, but the shallow circle can't be hollow. And what he meant by that is the inner circle itself always needs to be enough where you can put your feet in and feet out when you have to. But it's never hollow, so it can't it can't be broken. So it's more of a you have that solid circle. It's like the epitome of a wedding ring. It's that solid circle where it can't be broken. No matter if somebody punches it, smashes it, steps on it, it remains solid, never hollow. Um, so that's kind of a weird saying to think about, but it took me a couple of years to get it. But that's why this program it's just important to me and being able to to step back for a second and watch what you've done from the time that we originally connected almost three years ago now into where you're at now. It's a prideful thing for me. I look at you and I see you succeeding. So to me, it's, it's, it's awesome to see that. I'm not saying, Oh man, I'm the reason why he succeeded. <laughs> I'm, I'm the reason why he may have thought this and he impacted me. And now I get to go impact somebody by that experience. And that's what I get out of it. Awesome. Well, it's great advice. Um, hopefully we can, I can be the great mentor that, or mentee, that is not mentor. I introduced you as my mentee the other day, or back at Cusa. Yeah, that was funny. Um, that was but, funny. yeah, uh, I'm kind of looking for just about the same thing. Um, it's more or less because, like, I'm young in the profession. You know what I mean? Uh, I kind of started this whole profession by accident as, as the way most, what I've come to find out most SIDs do is they fall into it by sheer luck or they need a job somehow in college or they got injured and mine what happened to be the injury. Um, looking for people who are like-minded like me and you and I, we kind of share the same values on different things. So it was kind of a no-brainer when I was going through the, uh, the list and I saw your name and I was like, well, no duh, I got to put his name down. So, uh, yeah, I didn't give it a second thought. So, um, I think that this program is, is something that should be taken advantage of if you're a young professional. Um, I know that there were, I met a lot of the uh, COSIDA U people and the undergrads and maybe people who were just starting out being a GA um, who had never done athletic communications before. Um, and I think that well, I met them at the speed session, which is something that should be utilized because it's great and I lose my voice every year. But... Um, Using this doesn't necessarily mean that you have to have one mentor or mentee. And like you kind of mentioned with Danny Day and Jay Glove and Sterling, um, is you can have a whole network of people and, like you said, cultivate that inner circle, especially at a, at a younger age. So um, let's talk about your new job here a little bit. You're at DePaul. You moved back to Florida. So first of all, tell me what and tell the viewers what um, 
the Florida Sports Foundation does. You're headed to Fort Lauderdale for some boxing stuff. So, so what is it exactly? Um, first, before I do that, DePaul was probably the coolest job. I, I could not have asked for a better position, better school, better time. Um, in my career path, being back in what I consider my hometown, uh, around, and everybody knows I'm a Cub fan, so that's a different story of life. That's We'll talk about another day in life whenever we get there. But uh, it was the best opportunity I could have had. Um, what happened here is Florida Sports Foundation has a special place in my heart as a undergraduate, graduate-level student, and I had the opportunity when I was at Florida State to get to know the original um, president here, Larry Pendleton, and also he's he's now retired and moved on to a different area. We have Angela Suggs now as our president. She does phenomenal. She was at FAMU before she was here. Uh, FAMU is in Florida A&M. Um, and I got to work and get to know a gentleman by the name of Nick Gandy, who's been a mentor of mine for years and just kind of be around here and volunteer at some of the games and what that meant to me was an opportunity of saying hey this is something that I've wanted for years this is a location to be back in it's three hours from my wife's family three and a half hours from my mother and my father and a lot of things have been going on in my family Uh, a lot of things uh, personal I guess you could say with health issues Um, people growing older Uh, that's what happens Mm. people get old and things happen but uh, we've had some had some things that's gone on in my family the past two years that, that needed more of an attention span from me as an adult. Uh, being 32 now and not 22, 23 is a different experience in life. So let's talk about that first. Um, now that I kind of got that out the way and that was the, the more important thing to me uh-huh. is what I do now at Florida Sports Foundation is what I consider, um, like I said previously, I'm the SID for the state of Florida. Uh, what I do on a daily basis is I help promote and advocate uh, not just events that go on. So we have events such as the Sunshine State Games. That's the amateur version of sports for people like who compete in AAU, baseball, track, all these different sports, whether it's uh, badminton, fencing. Um, we have boxing going on this weekend in Fort Lauderdale, Florida. The weekend after that, we'll be in Leesburg, Florida, doing uh, softball. Um, the weekend after that, I'll have shooting sports start up where they have rifle and different types of archery, those type of things. So we do state games. We also have what's called the Florida Senior Games. Uh, senior Games is for anyone 50 and above who still wants to compete, but compete with fellow people in like age. The The state games itself is open from if you can walk to if you're alive (laughs) uh, and then you're active and you're competing. The senior games is the more specialized because it actually puts seniors against each other. And what they have the opportunity to do is through those games is to qualify for the national senior games, uh, which are being held in Albuquerque, New Mexico in 2019. Um, Then from there, we have what's called the International Beach Games. They take place in September they in, they encapsulate uh, games such as Scottish games, Highland games per se, okay. uh, like weight tossing, like what you would see on ESPN where they take a dumbbell and hammer toss all the way over a stick that's really high up in the air, the hay fork where they flip a, a haystack over a, a certain height of a level. We do those type of games. 
Um, they have ultimate frisbee, beach tennis, those t- anything that can be done on a beach, powerlifting, uh, those things. And it's a great atmosphere for the city of Clearwater, who will be hosting that too as well. Um, state games are more in a festival field. We have random spots like we have stuff going on in Alachua County, which is Gainesville, where the University of Florida is. Uh, we had ice skating there, figure skating. Um, this past week, there was other things that are going to be going on, such as what we call granted events. Uh, we have granted events where sports commissions, um, different subsidies, events across the state can apply for grant and assistance and receive funding from the state of Florida to put on their these events. So uh, a great example of that will be uh, this coming September when the University of Alabama plays the University of Louisville at the Camping World Kickoff Classic in Orlando. We're one of the grant sponsors for them that help them put on the event through grant and aids. Uh, we also help them with their publicity. We help get their message out to the community of why you need to come to Florida. So we have not just the Florida Sports Foundation, but we have this awesome slogan out there. It's called Florida, where the world comes to play. Because if you look at the state of Florida as a whole, a good bit of the sporting industry comes to the state of Florida. We're year-round weather, where it's unlike anywhere else you go. Um, national championships for the collegiate level, for the AAU level, for Babe Ruth leagues, figure skating, twirling. The national championships for baton were actually this past weekend in Jacksonville, Florida. And this is not just a a international or national it's an international event too three years ago it was the national championships were held in jacksonville and then two weeks after that the world championships were also held in jacksonville florida where you have teams from like korea germany yugoslavia all coming to the united states and competing in the state of florida so that's part one uh part two of it is it's a sports tourism that advocates any economic impact for the state of florida Uh, We are under what's called the Department of Economic Opportunity, the DEO. That's the division we work up under through a a strong arm called Enterprise Florida. Uh, Through that, we report through those channels back up to the governor's office. And what we do is we go back and try to help bring economic opportunity to the state through sporting events, whether it's fish and leisure, uh, golf, Events such as Super Bowls, national championships, college football playoff, those type of events. And we help coincide and go along with these individuals and do that. And then the third and final piece of kind of what the, the Sports Foundation does is we are charged with the state's license tag system okay. for sporting teams. So we have nine professional sports teams that have license plates. And then we also have NASCAR, um, tennis. And I'm blanking on the last one for some reason, and I can't think of it off the top of my head right now. Oh, the Olympics tag. There we go. Uh, the Olympics tag. I had to think about that for a second. So, yeah, NASCAR, tennis, and the Olympics tag, and then the nine professional sports teams. And what those do is they have foundations. So, like the Bucks Foundation, money that they receive goes back to those foundations to help them do greater good in the public again. So that's kind of the three arms of what the Sports Foundation is as a whole. Now, what I do, like I said, is I'm the media, the strategic end behind it, the the points of interest, the graphics, the website, social media, videos, anything to do that publicizes athletic sports and sporting opportunities and sports tourism opportunities in the state of Florida. Awesome. Cool. I mean, it sounds like a whole lot. I know that you kind of explained that to me uh, a little bit uh, a couple of weeks ago, and I just wanted to ask again, maybe somebody didn't really know exactly what that was, um, so... 
For more information, they can visit flasports.com. Check us out. And we're also on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at FLA underscore sports. Cool. Awesome. Well, if anybody want to check those out, you definitely can. Uh, Jason, you know, I usually like to ask fun questions, right, at the end of my interviews. Well, this time, since you've been on, uh, you've been a guest twice. So those fun questions I can't ask you. So I got some different ones for you. Are you ready for them? Let's go. Let's go through it. All right, so the first one I have, and everybody, you can play along too, I guess, um, and you can follow us on Twitter, at SportsInfoCast, and you can give us your answers. First one, Jason, in a hypothetical world, not saying that you aren't now, uh, uh, if you're a famous person, <laughs> if you're, you're a famous person, what are you famous for? Um, if I'm a famous person, uh-huh. and I need to be famous for something, um, I would say that I'm famous for how I dress. I'm... Okay. I'm the most famous person in the world for how I dress because people aren't expecting to see my style. They're expecting to see polo and shirt versions of khakis, and that's not what I did in the SID business. I wasn't your, your normal SID. Um, like the outfit that I have on right now, I'm in a solid Johnny Cash look today, solid black with a <laughs> bright pink, white green and yellow fluffed tie that's got a floral decorations that looks like a 1970s couch um i'm known i'm known i guess i'm being famous for wearing a red blazer when it's 100 degrees outside with a blue shirt and a white tie and being called captain america during cosida convention um, <laughs> now if we go back to your question though if i'm famous that's what i would do but if i could be a famous person uh-huh. it'd be forrest gump because he was the jack of all trades. There you go. Perfect. And you'd even play for Bear Bryant, potentially. So I think that that would be a, a huge benefit to that. For me, um, I'd be an author. and uh, Stephen King-ish-esque, without all the kind of messed up stuff. Because if you actually read uh, It, um, you know that there's a little bit of a twisted thing there. But I, uh, that would be the along the lines that I would do. Um, I also don't know if I have the time or energy to write something like 90 books. So, you know, but anyway, moving on. A couple, five years ago, I believe, well, the anniversary was a couple weeks ago, but five years ago, NCAA, double, NCAA football 14, the last NCAA football edition came out for gaming consoles. Who would have been this year's cover athlete? Well, thanks to Mr. Ed O'Bannon, um, I think this year's athlete could have been Shaquem Griffin, who played at UCF. Um, people know him as the, the one-armed man, even though he's got two awesome and capable arms, uh, but his story is just phenomenal. What they did at UCF this past year uh, was great. Uh, they did awesome winning the, the their bowl game against... Auburn, uh, I think they did a great job in that. But if his story off the field and what he gives back to his community and what he meant uh, to me is the reason why he should have been gracing the field. Now, from a perspective of if I got to choose one player and could play with that player in this game and make that person be on the cover, hands down, I'm going with Baker Mayfield. That guy was just ridiculously energetic said what was on his mind, did what he needed to, did what he had to do, came up clutch when he had to be there, and 
he was just an all-around spur of energy. Um, so those two individuals, I think, if they could have done single covers or came out with two editions, mm-hmm. they would be my two people. That's why I couldn't have I couldn't have just chosen one. It's just because I thought Shaquem did a phenomenal job, but Baker was just an all-around, oh my gosh, athlete. Yeah, I always thought maybe I don't think that they really ever did like the reigning, <coughs> excuse me, the reigning Heisman guy. So Baker, um, I, I, I can see, and yeah, he'd be fun to play with, but like. I think Josh Rosen might have been it. For some reason, Josh Rosen just, it's like, that just seems like he would be a cover athlete for something. I don't, I don't know why, but if I had to pick a player and just go cheat code mode on everybody, it would be Lamar Jackson. Um, yeah, he, he's my guy. Uh, jokingly. I think I want to redo my answer now because of that. That's oh, awesome. yeah. Lamar Jackson, especially, I think during that Syracuse game mm-hmm. two seasons ago when he hurled over the guy, <laughs> that to me was what put him on the map. Yeah, I um, I, I jokingly said that like uh, if he would have be- beat Clemson two years ago, um, it would have been I would have uh, named my son or daughter after him. So my my family's like gives me crap about that. Yeah, it's not gonna do that. I'm not gonna do that. So it was just um. Yeah, the he would have been fun to play with because I always, whenever you do that dynasty mode, I always play with Louisville for maybe twenty twenty five seasons before I just got bored with it and I would move on to somebody else. But um, yeah, that that would be about it for me. So uh, next question, what's your guilty pleasure? Oh, this one is very very guilty, and I feel like it could one day make me broke. Um, I spend probably about five hundred to six hundred dollars a year on this hobby. I am an avid puzzle putter together person. Um, if that's even like a, a type of puzzle pro, like puzzle putter together. Puzzle pro. Puzzle pro. Yeah. Uh, I put puzzles together literally daily. Um, last night I wrapped up a Nickelodeon themed 1,000 piece puzzle. A couple weeks before Cosida, I started a 2,000 piece puzzle, puzzle and it kind of gave me the itch to hurry up and want to get home because it was still <laughs> undone. Um, tomorrow I am starting a Lion King puzzle for a day before I have to hit the road. And when I get back, it gives me that incentive to come back again and do it. But I love putting puzzles together. My wife and family, uh, anytime we go on trips or we're gone for an extended stay or amount where it's going to be staying like in a cabin or you're on a cruise ship or wherever you're at, or if I travel down for a holiday, they automatically know a puzzle's coming with me. That's just who I am and what I am. I love putting puzzles together, and it's not necessarily because I like to build things or anything like that, but it's more of a – it allows you to literally disconnect from everything that's going on around you. Back in the day, it used to be going on two- to three-hour runs, but now that I'm 30-something years old, yeah. <laughs> I can't go on those two-and-a-half-hour runs in my old man knees anymore. So I try to supplement that with a bike ride here and there or putting a puzzle together. So definitely putting puzzles together. And I do not like, and I need to put this on there for the record, I do not like 3D puzzles, the one where you have to build up random shapes because no matter what, they always fall. That's right. Yeah. I'll always let you know. The most disgruntled thing about puzzles is when the piece is missing. When you have a 1,000-piece puzzle and 999 is what came in the box. How many times has that happened to you? Four times this year so far. Um, and if you guys want to know this, actually, um, if you ever get a puzzle, you put, this is not like, oh, I lost a piece 
oh, I, my dog ate it, anything like that. If you ever legitimately put a puzzle together and you're missing a piece and you're a puzzle person like I am who buys as many puzzles as I do, um, only thing you have to do is take that puzzle, not back to the store, but write a letter back to the company and they'll send you that puzzle all over again or they will send you the exact piece that you're missing. It happens more than you realize. Cool. Awesome. Didn't know that. So at least they yeah. keep to their word. You yeah. know? There's, so. a few, there's a few puzzles I have put together where they are meaningful to me. Um, I, I put together an entire Wrigley Field 2016 World Championship, and I got to the very end of it, and one piece was missing, and it was the one out of 2016. It was the one that was missing out of the 2016. Obviously, that was important. Yeah. Um, so they sent that one piece and it's cut out to me. So it was great. Cool. Uh, mine, uh, if we're talking diet or anything, uh, even though I am eating a lot healthier these days um, and a lot more eating in and cooking, actually, uh, but I still enjoy ice cream. DQ is my uh, big guilty pleasure. Um, Cotton candy, the new one they came out with this summer. Woo! Uh, yeah. I know that they had a bunch of the summer blizzard stuff, but a, a couple days ago, I don't know if you know this, but. At the time of this recording, there was National Ice Cream Day. Um, utilize that definitely to, to the way it was supposed to be um, celebrated. So, but the other things that I like to do, I like to read a lot. I read a whole lot. I got a stack of books. I got more books on my bed. I got my stack off to my left over here. Um, and I've been playing a lot more. Uh, I've been just trying to be a 22-year-old, about to turn 23-year-old, because uh, I feel like I never really got to be the college kid. Because I've been working so much for the past four years, but um, a video game I enjoy playing. Uh, I do that a whole lot, and it's not Fortnite because that ir irritates me to no end um, playing that thing. So, and I don't understand why people enjoy it, but that would be that would be it for me. Um, so, next question I have for you, and then I'll answer per usual, is uh, your famous musician, Jason. What genre are you singing up there? Um, I listen to a lot of Skrillex and Logic, and people may look at me and go, what? Who are you? <laughs> um, but legitimately speaking, I am one of those people that likes to listen to music that does not have words to it. So what I do, and the reason why that is, is because when I'm at work, sometimes I like to have a room that's got something going on music-wise or in the background. Like at previous jobs, I've listened to music or had just Netflix playing of TV shows, and I'm not even watching them, but they're just lowered in the background so I can have noise going on. Or uh, previous offices, I've had TVs up in the background. But Logic and Skrillex, there's a lot of um, music out there where people have dubbed off the words or they've come up with their own uh mashups or whatever versions you want to call of these musics and i they can go for a couple hours at a time so i'll literally hop on youtube type in you know logic mashup and then lower my window and I'll listen to it for two to three hours and not have to worry about finding a certain genre um so yeah i would have to say a mix between skrillex's crazy awesome music videos slash uh, effects that he does in his videos slash music playing and then logic and just some of the crazy things and music that he does whether it's vocally or or i don't know overall meaning behind some of his songs and some of the messages that he puts out um he talks about his life a lot very personally and some of the things that he struggled with and, and that's a biggie for me as i've had some things in my life that i've gone through not necessarily struggled through but i've witnessed a lot of things and gone through some stuff 
Um, and so knowing that people do that too as well, but express it in different ways, that's awesome to me. Cool. Uh, I would be a country, but, but a country to the point where it would be the kind of personal, I don't know if anybody's noticed this, but Sam Hunt, like he sings about cheating on his girlfriend a lot. Um, so I, I don't know if I would ever put that out there, but I would be more or less kind of the civil wars. I don't, they're, it's ironic cause they've broken up now. Uh, there used to be a, a, a couple, uh, a duo, and then they decided that they were done. So that's kind of funny, that kind of music. And then um, I have a list of, of songs that I do enjoy that uh, I would kind of play off of, like All the Pretty Girls by Kenny Chesney. Um, that would be definitely one. Uh, Something That I'm Good At by Brett Eldridge. Um, <clears throat> the ones that you don't necessarily hear all the time on the radio, because I swear uh, they just play the same songs over and over and over again. So... I would avoid those like the plague. Um, but yeah, that, that would be basically what I would do. So uh, next question, I have to pull it up here on my phone because I have forgotten. Uh, one race you've always dreamed of doing because we're runners. Jason, I don't know if you know that. Uh, I didn't know that you ran. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, um, there's always been the one ultimate one is Hood to Coast. Uh, that's in Oregon every year that race has just been something I've wanted to do. And I've done a bunch of marathons in my life. Um, St. Jude children's marathons are really near and close and dear to my heart. Um, just because of what they do and how they do and some family ties and connections to St. Jude. Um, but that to me is the ultimate race. And if I could go and do it every single year and always be automatically in shape for it or just be around that race in general, I would love to be there. I've got a couple of my friends who have done Hood to Coast, and it's one one of those things that when I get old and gray, I probably will do it. But right now, it's it's just out of my league. Yeah. <laughs> it used to be in my league, but right now, it's not in my league anymore. Cool. Uh, I, mine's around the same area except a little bit north of the border. Uh, the Vancouver Marathon. There's something like nine miles of it. it goes along the Pacific Ocean. It's like a nice little scenic byway type of thing, and I've always wanted to do that. And then there's one in Montana that is literally all downhill. I think it is called the Downhill Marathon. Um, that is a great idea <laughs> because for I know if you had to choose between running uphill or running downhill, you would choose running downhill, right? So um, that that's something I think that like you're going to hit your fastest time, and then you're never going to hit it ever again. <laughs> So and, that's, and that's what's funny to me is they have a race here in Tallahassee and I haven't found it yet. They didn't, when I used to be here my first time around, they have what was called the downhill mile and it would start at, uh, the top of Monroe street and it would run from Monroe all the way towards the Westcott fountain on Florida state's campus. If you guys get on Google map, everybody thinks the state of Florida is flat. If you've been to Tallahassee, you will find out real quick. Tallahassee is the hilliest city in the state of florida and it's got more hills literally than you've ever seen in your life um to verify this i'll eventually put up a nice little video of me running downhill uh over the next couple of days i'll do it and post it up where people can see what i'm talking about but there's a downhill mile that they would do and there was people who were like 315 316 i'm talking fast yeah because it's literally almost a 50 degree straight drop down the hill um at certain spots so 
it's it's one of those awesome, like you said, downhill, maybe dream race. So maybe in my old man wisdom, I can break, I can break the five minute mile again doing it. <laughs> and then there's always the, you know the people's usual like the New York and the Boston and uh, things like that. But you know, there's always all these fun fun ones. I know Boston's sort of downhill. People talked about Boston being downhill for some reason. Um, I'm not sure how much truth there is to that, but. Anyway, St. Jude, Memphis, and Marathon. The marathon for St. Jude's, uh, Memphis, Tennessee, is literally flat the entire way. It's probably the fastest marathon in the United States that's flat. Oh, okay, cool. I know Chicago's a little bit flat, too. So, uh, But last question there for you, and then we got to wrap this up here because we're pushing up against time. Uh, one TV show that you watched as a kid that you would have no shame in binge-watching now? Okay, so I still binge-watch these, and that's what's funny. Um, as a kid... Every single day, every kid gets up and goes to school, and they're like, oh, man, i got to watch this show when they get home. No. I was the other way around. Every day when I came home from school, I needed a nap because I was getting up at 5 a.m. every single day to watch what was called the morning block. The morning block literally started at 5.30 in the morning. It started with... Uh, Flintstones went to the Jetsons. After the Jetsons, it went to Saved by the Bell, then Saved by the Bell, the college years, then Captain Planet right before I got on the bus to go to school at 8 o'clock. So each of them was 30 minutes. I literally got up Monday through Friday at 5 o'clock, got ready for school, ate my cereal on the couch while watching all three shows before my bus came at 8 o'clock or I had to hop the train to be at school by 9.05. Cool, awesome. Well, I never watched um, any of like the Disney Channel stuff or any of the Nickelodeon stuff. I barely watched SpongeBob. Um, it just wasn't my type of thing. I don't know if anybody noticed this. I don't know if anybody my age kind of noticed this, but if you watch Cartoon Network, um, there were some messed up shows uh, that I would go back and watch later. Red and Stimpy. What was that? Red and Stimpy. Yeah, that, and then there was Courage the Cowardly Dog. Um, the monsters where the guy had eyes in his armpits. Yeah, yeah, that you can't put that on TV anymore, can you? Uh, not for little kids, at least. And, and there was another one called The Adventures of Billy and Mandy, and um, it was literally the Grim Reaper was their best friend, and they would go to like hell and go to these different dimensions, and it was just strange and messed up. And I don't think they put that on there now. <laughs> so um, another one that I'm really, really upset about is I'm a huge superhero guy. Uh, I was first introduced to uh, Deathstroke when I was little um, and then reintroduced to him as now I'm watching Arrow. But uh, the Teen Titans, the original Teen Titans show that they would have on there, I would go back and watch that. Not this new crap that they have now. That that really sucks. So it was like Robin and uh, Cyborg and, and all them like that. So... Uh, that's what I would do. So um, that was my last question, Jason. You got a new job. You got some new emails. Um, what would be the best way to get in touch with you? Anybody had any questions for you? The same Twitter account is always the same one that I have. It's Jason M as in Matthew Hendricks. So J-A-S-O-N-M-H-E-N-D-R-I-X. Uh, you can also email me at jhendricks. That's J-H-E-N-D-R-I-X at flasports.com. Perfect. Well, Jason, thank you very much for your Fort Worth appearance, and thank you very much for coming on the show. No, thank you. I appreciate it. Thanks for your time.
guys, there you have it. We are 85 episodes deep into this thing. We are 15 weeks away from episode number 100. And I believe I'm going to do a sneak peek little thing here. I believe I'm going to do a 7-7 seven and seven event again when it comes to Thank You SID Week in November. We should hit number 100 sometime during then. Uh, probably not going to do a contest or anything like that like I did last year. But... Anyway, next week, a little bit up in the air right now, not really sure. We do have some people scheduled. We don't exactly have them in the order quite yet. So if you do see something, um, maybe later on today, I'm sure by the time I have this episode posted, I'll have some idea of the schedule. But uh, right now, a little bit shaky, but we do have people scheduled and everything. So like I kind of mentioned earlier, Go to iTunes, you can go on Spotify, you can go on Google Play, Stitcher, TuneIn, uh, leave us a rating and a review wherever you get this podcast. You can also follow us on social media at Sports Infocast on Twitter and Facebook and send us an email, sportsinfocast at gmail.com. Guys, I want to thank you all for listening. We hope to catch you all in the next episode.